0: Hey kids, and welcome to Papa's Bible Stories. For each episode, I pick a Bible story to talk to my kids about. I have a beautiful son, Jacob, who is 10, and a beautiful daughter, Leah, who is 7. And these stories are for them. But even though these stories are for my kids, Jacob, Leah, and I would love it if you decided to join us. So what do you say? Let's get started. Last we left our story, the prophet Balaam had failed miserably to curse the Israelites. Balaam had been desperate for money, and he'd headed to Moab to curse the Israelites, even though God had clearly told him not to. And after the whole talking donkey thing, God ended up actually allowing Balaam to continue on to Moab, but under one condition, that God would control everything that Balaam said while he was in Moab. And as it turned out, instead of cursing the Israelites, God caused Balaam to hugely bless the Israelites, and not just once, but three times. And after it was all over, an embarrassed Balaam headed back home, super disappointed that he was never going to see that money that he wanted so badly. But as soon as Balaam got back home, whatever God was doing to control what Balaam said, all of a sudden stopped. The Bible doesn't say exactly when, but at some point, it seems that Balaam turned around and headed back to Moab. After everything that he'd been through, Balaam still didn't want to give up on that money. Boy, one thing you can certainly say for Balaam, he was relentless, perhaps a little bit like some kidsos out there. Now, even though the Moabites had specifically invited Balaam to curse the Israelites and not for any other reasons, Balaam knew that at the end of the day, what the Moabites were really hoping for is that the Israelites got off their border. So though cursing hadn't worked, and they already knew that attacking them wouldn't work, that didn't mean that something else couldn't work. Balaam knew that the key here was God. God was protecting the Israelites. And as long as God was protecting the Israelites, there was nothing that anyone could do to hurt them. But Balaam knew a lot about God and how God worked. Balaam had insider knowledge, as they say. And Balaam decided that he could somehow use this insider knowledge to find a way to make God give up his special protection of the Israelites. And one of those insider knowledge things that Balaam knew was that God's special protection entirely depended on the Israelites' obedience. And if Balaam could figure out a way to trip up the Israelites and get them to disobey God, then he knew that God's special protection wouldn't leave them. And once that happened, the Moabites would have no problem driving off the Israelites. So the question was, how could the Moabites get the Israelites to disobey God? Well, it seems that Balaam came up with a very Sneaky idea. Balaam told the Moabites that they needed to find a way to get the Israelites to worship an idol. You kids always remember what happened last time the Israelites worshiped an idol, right? Remember the golden calf? Remember how that went? Yeah, not well. And Balaam probably knew this. And by this story, Balaam probably suspected that the Israelites would kind of like to worship idols if they could. But the big question was, after such a bad experience with the golden calf, how could the Moabites get the Israelites to worship another idol? Well, this is the sneaky part. Balaam told the Moabites to send their women into the Israelite camp to tempt the Israelite men to worship idols. The idea was that the women would get all dressed up and pretty and kind of, you know, innocently wander into the camp and start talking to the men, especially the leaders. And after getting to know the men and dazzling the men with their beauty and flirting with the men and even sleeping in the same beds as some of the men, which we know from our Joseph episodes that we are not supposed to do unless we're married, at that point, they could kind of casually mention, you know, we're having a really fun party just down the road. Why don't you come? And if they could get the men to come to the party, well, wouldn't you know it, it would just so happen that they were sacrificing to idols at this party. And if they could convince the men to stick around, then maybe, just maybe, they could get the men to not just put up with the idol worship, but to even start worshiping the idols themselves. And once that happened, God would remove his special protection, and it would be game over for the Israelites. It was a really sneaky, evil, devious idea. And the Moabites decided to give it a try. And unfortunately, Kidzos, everything happened exactly as Balaam and the Moabites had planned. The men, and especially the leaders, got real friendly with the Moabite women, began sleeping in the same beds with the women, went to the parties with them, and began worshiping one of their idols, Baal happening to be the idol of the day. And it got to the point where so many of the Israelites were worshiping Baal that the Bible says that Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And this is where our friend Moses finally joins us again. It seems that because all the Baal worship parties were happening outside the camp, that Moses didn't really notice what was going on until it was too late, which was probably also part of the sneakiness of Balaam's plan to do all this somewhere that Moses wouldn't notice. By the time that Moses got involved, there wasn't a problem with just a few of the Israelites. Idol worship had spread throughout the camp, And it was already a national problem. And there was really nothing for Moses to do but wait and see what God was going to do. And what was God going to do? Well, unfortunately, Balaam wasn't wrong about how things worked with God's protection. Indeed, God could not continue to provide his special protection to the Israelites unless they were obedient. And the Israelites knew full well that worshiping idols was disobeying God. And so, there seemed to be only one thing that God could do. Stop protecting the Israelites and let them face the consequences. And what would those consequences be exactly? Well, for sure the Moabites would have immediately driven the Israelites away from their border. That's what the whole point of their plan had been from the first place. But then what? Well, the Israelites were literally surrounded on all sides by enemies. Once the Moabites would have driven them off, all the other nations would probably smell blood in the water. And then the Israelites would start getting attacked from all directions. And with no friends and with nowhere to run, this probably would have been their end. Millions of people dead. What a waste. But wait, maybe there was another option. If God could find a way to help the Israelites to see how bad their sin was to to confront their idol worship. Well, maybe they would stop worshipping Baal and turn back to obeying him. It might be hard, and it might not be pretty, and definitely some people were still going to die, but at least then God could keep his special protection on the Israelites and they would survive as a nation. And so, kidzos, which option do you think that God picked? Option number one, let the Israelites just face the consequences of their actions by removing his protection and watching everyone die. Or option number two, find a way, no matter how hard, to show the Israelites how bad their sin was so that they might say they were sorry, start obeying again, and then God could keep protecting them and save countless lives. What do you Kidzos think that God did? That's right. God picked option number two. Almost immediately, a plague started going through the Israelite camp. And then God came to Moses and said, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. The Israelite leaders had been the first to start worshiping Baal. They had led in the disobedience, and also as leaders, they were more accountable for what they'd done. The judges obeyed immediately. They rounded up the leaders who had worshiped Baal, hung them, which means killed them by putting a rope around their necks, hanging them up in the air and strangling them. Yikes. (laughs) And then left their bodies out in the sun so that everyone could see. So option number two was quite harsh, eh? Yeah, but it did serve its purpose and it really got the Israelites' attention. Once the plague started going through the camp and once the Israelites noticed the dead bodies of their leaders, the reality of what they had done suddenly hit them. They had sinned. They had slept in the same beds as these women. They'd worshiped an idol. How had this happened? What had they been thinking? How could they have made this mistake again? And almost as one, the Israelites headed to the tabernacle to show how sorry they were. Many of them were sick from the plague and limped along to the tabernacle door. Everyone was crying. It was a sad and somber thing to see. An entire people trying to tell God that they were sorry. But not everyone was sorry. In the middle of this sad scene, the Bible says that a man named Zimri from the tribe of Simeon came and presented to his brethren, a Midianite woman, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So, right while all the people were crying, right while many of the leaders were being hung out for everyone to see, right while the deadly plague was making its way through the camp. This guy, Zimri, brings this Midianite woman, who was not his wife, and for those kids who was really listening, we'll notice that it's a Midianite woman and not a Moabite woman, which I'll explain in a minute, took her into the camp, and right in front of everyone, they went into his tent where they were going to sleep in the same bed together wow it was so brazen it was so shocking i mean didn't this guy know that what he was doing was exactly why all these bad things were happening it was so unexpected that at first no one did anything they were all probably looking at each other and saying what is going on did i did i just see what i think i saw But this delayed reaction didn't last very long because this is when a man named Phineas stepped up. Phineas was the son of Eliezer, the high priest. And if you kids always remember, Eliezer was Aaron's son. So Phineas would have been Aaron's grandson. And the Bible says that Phineas rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. A javelin is a type of spear. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust them both through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So Phineas, watching what Zimri and the Midianite woman were doing and realizing just how insensitive it was and just how much it went against what God was trying to do to help the Israelites, immediately took action. He got up, grabbed the javelin, went into Zimri's tent and seeing them sleeping in the same bed, one on top of another, he raised the javelin in the air and stabbed them both through in one strong thrust. Both Zimri and the Midianite woman died right there. Wow, how's that for bold action? But maybe a little too bold. Maybe Phineas took a little too far. I mean, priests weren't supposed to just go around killing people, right? Well, apparently it wasn't too bold because the Bible says that right after Phineas killed the two in their tent, that the plague was immediately stopped among the children of Israel. Yeah, once Phineas had killed these two, God immediately stopped the plague and the emergency was over for the Israelites. And not only that, but God also talked to Moses about what Phineas had done and said, Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. It shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made atonement for the children of Israel. It was as if God was saying, my man Phineas, he gets it. He saw what I was trying to do to save the Israelites. He understood that many more lives were on the line, and he also understood just how bad Zimri's actions were. And without hesitating, he took action. And while Phineas's actions had to be brutal, it was certainly better than option number one. Now, while the emergency was over for the Israelites, it was just beginning for the Midianites. Now again, kids, those paying close attention, will notice that I said Midianites and not Moabites. So why are we all of a sudden talking about the Midianites all the time? Well, as it turns out, At this time in history, the Moabites and the Midianites were partner nations. Something like the Medes and the Persians who we're going to run into a little later. They were two separate nations, but they were right next to each other and they cooperated on everything, including this sneaky plan to hurt the Israelites. And more specifically, it seems that it was the Midianite women who volunteered to carry out the most important and sneakiest part of the plan, the part of sleeping in the same beds as the Israelite men and tempting them to go to the parties and worship Baal. Maybe they did it this way because the Israelites kind of already knew the Midianites. Don't forget, Moses' wife was a Midianite. Now, despite everything that had happened, The Moabites still could not be attacked because, as you kidzos, know, they were a protected people at this time. But this was not the case for Midian. Midian could be attacked. And God said to Moses, Harass the Midianites and attack them, for they harassed you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor. The Midianites would not get away with what they had done. And the Israelites obeyed immediately. The Bible says that Moses sent them to the war, a thousand of every tribe, them and Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, to the war with the holy instruments and the trumpets to blow in his hand. Phineas himself led the 12,000-man army to Midian, where they soundly defeated the Midianites. Sadly, many Midianites paid the price for their sneaky plans. And the Bible says that they slew the kings of Midian besides the rest of them that were slain, namely Evi and Recham and Zur and Hur and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And while normally the Israelites would spare the women, in this particular case, because the women had been such a big part of this sneaky plan, they too had to pay the price. And sadly, many Midianite women also died. And not only that, do you kids always remember Balaam? Well, the Bible says that Balaam, also the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. Other than the Moabites, Everyone paid the price for their part in this sneaky plan to hurt the Israelites. Even Balaam, the once great prophet of God. So, kidzos, what can we learn from this story? Well, I know that many of the lessons that we draw in Papa's Bible stories talk about obedience. It's just that it's such an important lesson for young kidzos to learn. And we're going to talk about it again here. Something to really take to heart from this story is that God's protection of the Israelites entirely depended on their obedience. You know, the Israelites were literally surrounded on all sides by enemies. Really, no one wanted them to be there. And at any moment, they would have loved to wipe them out. And it was only because of God's special protection that they were able to be there and still survive. And it's the same thing with each of us, kiddos. There is a special protection that God gives us when we are obedient to his word. When we're obedient, we're able to do things and be in places that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. This is why, like Balaam, the devil is always trying to find sneaky ways to trip us up and to get us to disobey. But... If we stick with God's word and we remain obedient and we're sure to say sorry when we get tripped up, God will continue to provide us with his special protection, just like the Israelites. All right, kidsels, that's it for this one. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. In the next episode, our good friend Moses will finally be leaving us. But before he goes, he will make sure to give the Israelites some important reminders that they're going to need before they head into the promised land. But until then, to all the kids tuning in, I hope you have an awesome day. God be with you, and I hope we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.